0: The message you are listening to is recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, at the 2018 Established Summer Training Project. More information about Campus Outreach Minneapolis can be found at cominneapolis.org. Why not evangelism?
1: Like
0: reasons you might not want to do with evangelism. Or, why not evangelism? So it's a two-for-one right there. Very
1: clever. Um, yeah, so if you have to met us, Brittany and Lisa, like we said. Everyone else has been introducing themselves by showing pictures of their family. So this is our family, me, Brittany, and that's um, Blizzard. He's oh. our Huskies mascot. And we're both a little bit obsessed with it. Whenever he's on campus, we're stalking, tracking
0: him. Um, and just so that, that last picture wasn't confusing, um, it says SESU Awesome Staff. Blizzard is not on staff with us. Um, but we wish that Blizzard was. But Berto is on staff with us, and so here is this on? Can you hear me? I'm muted. No, it's not muted. It ain't muted. Um, but here is a picture of us on campus, and maybe a little bit of a reflection of our life on campus in St. Cloud. Um, Berto trying to be in on me and Elisa's jokes. Just kidding. Just
1: kidding. Um, okay. So. You are at evangelism training, ministry training, um, and so before we jump in, um, we just want to do a couple clarifiers first. So first, I just wanted to clarify what is evangelism? What are we even talking about? Um, so there's a guy named Max Stiles who has actually written a book called Evangelism that's really helpful, uh, but the way that he defines evangelism is teaching the gospel with the aim to persuade. So that's what we're going to be talking about throughout the rest of this summer, at this training, um, what does it look like for us to teach the gospel with the aim to persuade. Last week before, we talked about what the gospel is, um, and we're going to keep talking about this, but I just wanted to remind you all that as we talk about evangelism and do training on this, um, We're not primarily talking about evangelism on the beach. That's the way that we're practicing this summer, Um, but we really hope that as you learn about what evangelism looks like in your life, that it would be applied to all kinds of contexts as you go back to your family and friends, as you go back to campus, um, even after you graduate, that evangelism would be a part of your life. And we think that the best way to do that, for evangelism to become a part of your life, um, is actually that you just be established in your own faith. Um, So evangelism isn't just a tool, like something, a a formula, a skill that you put in a tool belt. Um, It's a lifestyle. It's an overflow of your own relationship with God being established. Um, So today, because of that, we're actually going to be talking about our own hearts in evangelism, specifically fears that we have and how do we um, wrestle through those fears in evangelism. Um, Which I think, I hope that all of you can relate to that. I would guess, even based off of last week, you know why you're here, we're going to talk about evangelism, and then we're going to go on the beach and share. And I'm guessing all of you feel a little bit of fear in your heart about what's coming next. Um, So we can all relate to that. So we actually wanted to just start by turning to the person next to you and just talking for a minute or two about what are some of the fears that you have in evangelism. So go ahead and turn to someone next to you and talk about your fears in evangelism. (laughs) Okay, don't Shove it out. Okay. Looking like an idiot. Like an idiot. Fear of man. Fear of man. Rejection. Rejection, yeah. What else? On what I say. What's that? Focusing on what I say. Yeah, okay, so focusing on what you say rather than the other person. Fear of not being interested in what you're saying. Fear of not being interested. Fear yeah. of them feeling like just like judged by and not wanting to like get them the wrong way or something. Yeah, yeah, they might get offended or feel judged. Being like a bible pusher. Uh-huh. Like it the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. Like misrepresenting the gospel. Uh-huh, yeah, saying the wrong thing. Like turning people off to Christianity. Sure, yeah. yeah. That's great. Those are all really valid fears, and we're going to talk about a lot of those. We've kind of boiled all of those down to four fears that we face, um, and, and I think that'll cover a lot of what you guys just shared. Thanks for sharing that. I think everyone in the room relates to everything that you all just shared. Um, So just to start off with, um, we have a picture of a tree. You've seen some pictures of trees a few times so far this summer because our theme is established and we've been talking about how the roots need to grow down deep for the tree to be established and to grow. Um, And we want to kind of take that analogy a little further as we talk about fears in the sense that a tree does need roots to be growing down deep. Um, It needs to have a water source um, to grow. But a tree or a plant also needs the sun to grow. The sun needs to be giving it um, heat so that it can grow as well as the water. And so we're going to just talk about today how the fears that we face in evangelism are a lot like the sun. Um, At first they can feel kind of hot or uncomfortable, it can feel like heat. Um, And the sun all by itself, if a tree didn't have water, if it just had sun, it would dry up the plant um, and it would be scorched and it would die. In the same way that if we only experience fear in evangelism, we're probably going to shrivel away from sharing the gospel. But if we have roots that are growing down deep into the promises of God, um, tapping into God's promises, then the water, the promises that we have, and the fears that we're facing in evangelism can both help us to grow in being established and eventually to have fruit. Um, So we're just going to talk about the fears that we face. We're going to talk about the promises that God gives us to help us face those fears um, and then how that results in fruit of sharing our faith. So the first fear that I'm going to talk about, um, it's the fear that I don't know what to say. Um, a few of you said something like this, I don't really know what to say, what if I say something wrong, what if I say something offensive, what if it gets really awkward, um, and those are valid fears. I don't know if you remember last week um, when Berto was giving his talk, he asked the question, what is the gospel, and had you all just be quiet for a minute and write that down, and I wonder how many of you maybe struggled a little bit to put that into words. Um, I think for some of you, maybe you haven't grown up in a religious context or going to church a lot, and so a phrase like, what is the gospel, actually feels kind of confusing still. Like, I don't really know how to explain that.
0: Um, or maybe for some of
1: you, you've grown up so much going to church that that's just a phrase that's thrown around all the time, the gospel. Um, and to actually have to explain what that means is kind of hard. Um So it's a valid fear that you might not know what to say. Um, Also, if you remember, Berto said last week that it's not about really how confident you are in sharing the gospel. It's important that the message is clear, Um, which is comforting, except for the fact that that feels like it puts a lot of pressure on getting the message right. Um, So if you say the wrong thing, what if the person isn't saved? Um, So those are really valid fears, and that may lead you to ask the question, Can't I just preach the gospel always, and when necessary, use words? That's a quote maybe some of you have heard. Um, Someone said it years and years and years ago, and it's come down through Christian history. A lot of people quote it. um, Preaching the gospel always, and only when necessary, using words. Which what, What that's trying to say is, why can't we just live our life in a way that shows people who God is, and then if I have to, then I can use my words to share the gospel? Um, which sounds nice, but the Bible actually has something to say about that. Um 1 Peter 3.15, says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. So what this is saying is, yes, live your life in a way that people would see the hope that's in you, but you have to be ready to tell them why you have that hope. Someone looking in on your life could say, wow, they're a great person, or they seem to have a lot of love or joy or hope. But if they don't know where that's coming from, if you're not using your words to tell them, um, they won't know that that's coming from Jesus or the gospel. Um, and Max Stiles, the guy who gave us the, um, the quote at the beginning, defining evangelism, he says, awkward is better than silent. Um, so there's a sense in which we're afraid that we might get it wrong that we might not know what to say. It's really important to speak. So what do we do with that? What promise could help us, could help our words to grow deep so that we could face that fear? So the promise that I want to talk about is this promise that the Bible gives us that the Spirit will help you? Um, so realistically, you may not know what to say, um, and I don't think the answer to that is just to learn more arguments. It might be helpful to note to have some answers. Berto's going to talk about that some next week, um, but I don't think that's the answer—just to learn arguments um, or formulas or bridge diagrams alone. Um, I think what we need, we need help from something outside of us. And so um, the Bible, Jesus, gives this promise. You can go to the next slide. Um, Jesus gives a promise. So he was talking to his disciples, and in the beginning of Christianity, just like how we might be afraid right now that people wouldn't agree with us, a lot of people didn't like the message that his disciples or that Jesus was sharing. So this is what Jesus says to his disciples. He says, when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, Do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So what Jesus is saying, um, he's saying, these people might not like what you have to say, but you shouldn't be afraid because the Spirit will teach you what to say. And this is a really sweet point um, that we've been given a helper inside of us um, who's going to help us and teach us. So what what does this look like? What does it mean that the Spirit teaches us what to say? Um, I think one thing is that the Spirit reminds us of Scripture. Um, The Spirit helps us to see who Jesus is and remind us of what the Bible says about him. So I don't know if you remember, there's a story in the Bible where Jesus is being tempted by the devil. And the Bible says that Jesus was filled with the Spirit, and then he starts to quote Scripture. And that's how he fights the devil's lies. Um, So I think that's one of the Spirit's jobs is to remind us of Scripture. And so as you read your Bible, even this summer already, as you've been reading and getting to know God and learning things about what he's like in the Bible, the Spirit, you might not remember everything that you read, but the Spirit could help you and show you what to say by reminding you in the moment, just when you need it, by reminding you what Scripture says about who God is. Um, Another way I think that the Spirit teaches us what to say um, is that the Spirit knows what's in our hearts. The Bible talks about that a few times, that the Spirit tests our hearts or knows what's in our hearts. And I just think this is so cool. When you think about being in a conversation with someone and trying to share the Gospel, you might feel afraid of knowing what to say, maybe just because you don't even remember a verse, or you don't remember how to share the Gospel, but you might also feel afraid because you don't really know exactly what they need to hear. And I think it's so cool that the Spirit not only would remind you, if the Spirit is in you, He would not only remind you of what's true about God, remind you of Scripture, but the Spirit knows our hearts, so He knows exactly what the other person needs to hear in a way that you don't. And so the Spirit could give you words to say um, that you don't know what they need to hear, but the Spirit does. Um, So the Spirit teaches us what to say, and I just think that's a really sweet promise that Jesus Himself um, gave us to help us take away the fear of not knowing what to say.
0: Great, so our next fear is what if I'm rejected? so that was something mentioned. Um, And this, I feel like this fear makes total sense. This is something that I kind of struggle with, um, where what if I'm rejected? Um, What if I'm not accepted by this person? What if I make them uncomfortable? Um, And being rejected isn't fun, um, because being rejected is uncomfortable. But when it comes to evangelism, it's not a question about if you will be rejected, but more about when you will be rejected. If you even think about last week, probably most of us in this room experienced some form of rejection, even if it was, hi, and then them being like, no, thanks. Um, That's a form of rejection, um, and that probably hurt a little bit, and so we're already kind of experiencing rejection. But even if you experienced rejection last week, that doesn't mean that you no longer have that fear of rejection today. Um, So I think it's a very prevalent, prevalent fear. Um, And for me, sharing a little bit of my life, where the biggest, um, where the fear of being rejected is most prevalent is sharing the gospel with my oldest brother. Um, He's seven years older than me, and he moved to Louisiana when I was 11, Um, and he's not a believer. He's an agnostic. Um, And I think when it comes to my brother Bennett, I've always kind of wanted his approval. I've always wanted him to like me, where it's like, I know he's going to love me. He's my brother. He has to, but I want him to like me and think that I'm cool. Um, and so we've built a little bit of a relationship since I've been older. Um, but I've also looked for opportunities with me becoming a believer. I've looked for opportunities to share the gospel with him. And I still care a lot about what he thinks about me. Um, and and so I think he's the scariest person for me to share the gospel with. Um, we've had many conversations over the last ten years, and it's still every time I think about going to see him, it's still terrifying to think about bringing up. discussion I don't want to make him feel uncomfortable Um, I want him to think that I'm cool and fun um, and I don't want him to reject me and unlike the people on the beach my brother Bennett is gonna be in my life for the rest of my life and so it feels like with him that it's a bigger risk um, because what if it's like forever awkward after we have a conversation and so what I've had to learn over the years is that when the fear, when I experience the fear of rejection, I'm making it about myself. I'm caring more about my image and what my brother thinks about me than his eternal salvation, his eternal reality, which is really hard. Um, but it's not about me. I'm not trying to sell myself to, to um, like sell this idea or, or make sure that I'm cool, but I'm pointing my brother to Jesus. Um, And I love my brother deeply, and my love for my brother and my desire for him to know Christ is greater than me maintaining an image before him. And the truth is that if I share the gospel with my brother and he isn't interested, he's not rejecting me personally, but he's rejecting Jesus. And so we have a scripture here that talks about that in Luke chapter 10, verse 16. The one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. So if I really love my brother, which I do, um, I would share with him even when it's scary. Um, And even the people on the beach, we might not know them very well, but we care about them. And we want them to know Jesus as well. So I think in sharing um, the gospel and in um, fighting against these fears, we see what's really in our hearts. Do I care more about what my brother or these people think about me? um, Or am I putting greater value on that someone's eternal reality and what God could do? In their life. So, the promise that we cling to in um, facing this fear is that our identity is in Jesus. So, as we share the gospel, even amidst these very real fears, our true hearts are revealed. And, like I said, where is is my identity? What what am I putting my trust in? Um, Is it in what this person, whoever it is, thinks about me? Um, Or is my identity? In Jesus. If my identity comes from a person and what they think about me, then when they reject me, which somebody will at some point, then my whole identity um, is, is destroyed. But if my identity is in Jesus, then it doesn't matter how this person responds to the things that I say. Um, my identity remains um, true, and it's um, unchanged. So my identity is in Jesus, and nothing can take that away, even rejection.
1: The next fear that we're gonna talk about is the fear that I feel too weak. Um, I think there's a lot of ways that this could look in our lives. Um, One way is that maybe you just feel like, I'm not a natural evangelist, I'm not maybe even good at talking to people, I'm really shy, it's hard for me to initiate. Um, Which I relate with a lot, I'm an introvert, I'm shy, it's hard for me to initiate towards new people, meet a lot of new people. So that's one way that you can feel weak. Um, Another way is maybe you're suffering or you're in pain. And you feel like you're weak just even in your faith. You're struggling or wrestling through a lot of things. And it feels hard to talk to someone else when you have questions about what God is like. um, Or maybe just doubts about God. Or maybe even in this room and you're still trying to understand whether or not um, you believe in Jesus. Or whether or not you have a relationship with him. Um, And I just want you to know um, that we really care about you and the things that you're wrestling with. And so... Even as we give you these tools to share the gospel, we don't want to make you like machines that are just going out on the beach and have a bridge diagram and have survey questions and say the right thing. Um, we really care about you and, and the, maybe the weakness that you feel like you have. Um, so if you're struggling in any, any of those ways, we just want you to keep processing with the people around you. Um, and that's a great thing, to be totally honest about your weaknesses. Um, and so however you relate to this fear of being weak, um, if you're a follower of Jesus, Weakness in any of those ways doesn't disqualify you from being able to share the gospel. Um, When Jesus called his disciples, um, he was about to go back to be with his father, and he was telling, sending his disciples out. We call it the Great Commission. Um, he didn't qualify which disciples were going to be the ones to be witnesses and which were going to stay back. He told all of them, any disciples, any followers, that they were meant um, to, to become witnesses, to teach the gospel with the aim to persuade to the rest of the world. Um, so what's the promise that we can cling to? The promise... <laughs> Um, is that we can depend on God in weakness. Um, and like I said, I, I really relate to this fear a lot. Um, I, <laughs> I feel like for me to initiate towards people and meet strangers has been really hard. And I actually remember as a student, I think it was my senior year, um, helping with move-in week, where the goal is that we're trying to meet lots of new people and kind of tell them about campus outreach and invite them to things. And so I was like, I really want to do this. I really want to meet people. And I am I am so on board with wanting, to pe- wanting people to get to know Jesus. But I'm so afraid to get out there and meet lots of new people. So I remember, like, going out, I'd meet some people. I'd go back to the bathroom. And it was like I had to pep talk and pray and ask people for prayer just because it felt so... Um, scary for me. I felt really weak in just um, being shy and introverted. And so that's just one of the ways that I have felt weak. But I've always really related with this story of Moses. Um, If you guys remember, there's a story where Moses sees a burning bush and God starts talking to him out of the burning bush. And essentially, um, God has this message for Moses. God wants Moses to be his messenger in going to Pharaoh and going to the Israelites to tell them that God is going to deliver them. So God wants Moses to be a messenger. And um, three times Moses responds to this voice of God in a burning bush. Moses responds um, with excuses for why he thinks God has picked the wrong person. Um, So the first time he says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He's saying, I don't have what it takes. Who am I? Why have you chosen me? Um, The second time Moses responds and says, behold, they will not listen to my voice, for they will say the Lord did not appear to you. So he's like, they're not going to listen to me. They're going to think I'm crazy. Um, and then the third time, he says, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to me, but I am slow of speech in the tongue. So this is getting more to the heart. Moses is saying, I don't have what it takes. I'm slow of speech. I'm weak. I'm not eloquent. You've got the wrong guy. Um, and I just think it's really interesting how God responds. So you can go to the next slide. So this is in Exodus 4, 11 and 12. This is God's response to him. The Lord says to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf? Or seen or blind is it not I the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak um, And I think that so I, I relate to Moses and that he's finding excuses for why he feels too weak to bring this message that God has for him and God's response is just so interesting in that God doesn't say it's okay Moses, you have what it takes um, He doesn't say it's okay, I'll make you super strong He actually says, I design your strengths and I design your weakness. Who makes him mute or deaf or seen or blind? Um, he's saying, I have designed your weaknesses and your strengths, and I will be with you and I will teach you. And so the promise that we can sink our roots into as we face this fear of being weak um, is that we can depend on God in weakness because he's very, very familiar with our weakness. It's not like he gives us our strength and then we have a few weaknesses accidentally. I really think God designs each of us specifically with our strengths and our weaknesses to help us to depend on him in those Um, And the cool thing is that I think think that we so badly want to relate out of our strength. We want to be good at something and then that's what we move towards. Um, But there's something really unique that's communicated to the world when we do something that we feel weak in. So for me to say, I don't feel like I'm very good at sharing the gospel, or I don't feel like I'm really good with people. When I step out um, and do something that I feel weak in, it shows the world that Jesus is more important to me than my comfort or my pride or my reputation. Um, It shows that Jesus has strength where I have weakness um, and so I just think it's a really beautiful thing. I personally experience that where going into the dorms or starting a gospel conversation or meeting lots of new people, um, I feel weak, but God has given me strength. I get to learn to depend on him in a way that I wouldn't if I was strong. That's yeah, so for the um, fourth one. So there's
0: lots of other fears that you might be experiencing. And, and like Elisa said earlier, if you're experiencing some fears that we didn't cover, talk to a room leader, a team leader, a staff member, love to process those and even pray with you about those um, But the fourth one we're going to be talking about is the fear of it won't be worth the sacrifice um, so there is a cost to evangelism um, there are many other things that we could be doing um, outside of going to the beach and telling people about Jesus and striking up conversations you might be thinking I don't want to force my opinions on others I don't have time what if I'm rejected what if I don't know what to say it's uncomfortable I'm afraid of awkwardness I'm too busy But all these these things that we're saying, um, what we're really saying in these statements is the sacrifice is too great, Um, and we make time for the things that we want to make time for, the things that we want to do. We talk about the things that we love. There's a Bible verse that says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Um, So like I said, there's a cost in evangelism, and I may be rejected, I will be rejected, and someone might not think I'm cool, and there's a dozen other things that I could be doing. instead. And a lot of those other things might even be really good. Like, why, why go share the gospel on the beach when I could be reading my Bible? Like, that's a great, great question. Um, but you might fear what you're giving up in evangelism isn't worth the sacrifice. And I think this is a valid thing to process through and work through. But I would argue that we make sacrifices all the time, especially for the things that we enjoy the most naturally evangelizing for what we love. So let's take a quick look at this Bible verse here and see what Jesus has to say. Um, So Matthew 13, Jesus is giving a parable, and he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So there's this man who finds a hidden treasure, and it was so valuable to him that he covered it up, And he made a huge sacrifice by selling everything he had so that he could purchase that field. So this treasure that he found was of utmost importance to this man, that he made a huge sacrifice. So my question for us to kind of think about today is, do we treasure Jesus in the same way that this man um, treasured his hidden treasure? And I think another observation in the text is that in his joy... He goes and sells all that he has. It was, for this man, it was a joy to make the sacrifice because that treasure was so good. It was of utmost importance to him. that It didn't even feel like a sacrifice. It was a joy. And so the promise for us today is that Jesus is our treasure just like that, I would say, even better than that hidden treasure in the field. Um, the promise that we can cling to and grow our roots in is that Jesus is our treasure. The more I seek Jesus and the more I treasure him, the less evangelism will feel like a sacrifice. And not saying if you, if you just treasure Jesus, you will no longer be afraid. That's not what we're saying. Um, but as I draw closer to him and treasure him, I'll naturally desire to talk to other people about Jesus and um, my thoughts and what I've been learning about him. Um, And I find joy in Jesus. As I find joy in Jesus, I will long for others to share in that joy that I'm experiencing. And I think we do this all the time um, with many other things. So I'm going to give an example. I love YouTube. I love YouTube. I love funny videos. I love movies. Um, And if you've been around me for more than like 10 minutes, you've probably heard me say, have you seen that video or this movie? And then I proceed to tell you and you maybe don't care. Um, But I love these funny videos. And these funny clips come to my head all the time. And so when I think about them, I want to talk about it because I want people to laugh at what I'm laughing at in my head. And I want them to share in my enjoyment. And when a person has seen the video clip or the movie I'm talking about, it's like so fun because then we can quote things and we can laugh together. And if a person hasn't seen the video, I'm like, oh, you got to see that video. Let's pull it up right now. And I've done this with a few people already. Um, But because then I can share in the joy of watching them laugh at the video, and it's very exciting. Um, And I think that outside of YouTube videos, there's a lot that we do this with, with sports, movies, music, shared interests. We all naturally evangelize for the things that we really, really enjoy. But even more than a funny video or whatever else it is that you evangelize for, I would love for us to seek to treasure Jesus even more than those things. And to invite others to share in that joy as we treasure Jesus and find joy in him. Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I think treasuring Jesus produces joy and then results in me desiring to evangelize. Um, and evangelize involves sacrifice. It comes at a cost, but Jesus is the treasure that is of greater value um, than any sacrifice. And So kind of as we, as we wrap up, I think as we looked at these four fears and these four promises, we saw a theme. That all of the fears are focusing on ourselves, on my abilities or me worried about my image or relying on my self-restraint or selfishness. Um, And I think as we look at these fears, it reveals a lot about our hearts and my need for Jesus. Um, So the opposite of these fears is actually Jesus himself. Um, He is the answer to our fears because the reality is, is it's not about us. It's not about us at all. It's not about me getting glory, but it's about God and the expansion of his kingdom and him receiving glory. Um, and the joy we get in being a part of God building his kingdom here on earth. Um, but these fears are very real um, and understandable. So you've you've heard these fears, and we don't expect you to leave this room and be fearless, although that would be really sweet um, if we were all fearless. Um, but I think um, it's helpful for us to remember these promises that we've talked about. So I just want to um, just read through those one more time. All these promises are about Jesus. So the Spirit will help you. The Holy Spirit um, will help us and give us the words to say our identity is in Jesus, um, that that we can trust in that no matter what we face, that our identity is unchanging. We can depend on God. God's going to give us strength and weakness um, and depend on him to lead us and guide us, and that Jesus is our treasure. Um, and so thinking back to the tree, these promises are like that water source, that life source that really feeds the tree and helps it to further deepen its roots. And so these promises help our roots go deep as we believe them and cling to them and even learn more about what does it mean to really receive this promise and cling to it. Um, but the more we cling to these promises and cling to Jesus, the deeper the roots grow. Our fears don't necessarily go away, but the, but me treasuring Jesus would be of greater value and weight than those fears. Um, so... I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to take a quick little break, and then come back for the workshop. So, I'll pray for us, um, Heavenly Father. I thank you so much for this time that we are able to express fears, and I thank you, Lord, that you are not intimidated by our fears or surprised by our fears, but you see you directly to our hearts and you know that they're there. And I thank you that with every fear is a promise um, that helps us to to have hope and to cling to um, and to fight the fears that we have. Um, And so even as we go through the workshop and as we um, talk to people about our fears and then go out on the beach, would you alleviate some of those fears and show us how you are the better, that you are the treasure that is worth any sacrifice that we make um, and that you are the one that we're pointing people to and we don't have to um, worry about ourselves and that you're going to give us the words to say by the power of your spirit. Um, And so we just thank you so much for this time um, and ask that it it would even produce um, further conversations amongst us with each other as we learn more, what it looks like to share about your truth. So we just thank you for this time and pray all this in your name. Amen. Five minute break. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the College Ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach Minneapolis. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at clminneapolis.org.